Welcome everyone to tonight's E and E training. We are a little more than halfway through our spring discipleship series, and we are focusing on a very important topic tonight, and that is training up the next generation. We want to learn how to disciple the next generation to follow Christ, what that looks like, what this generation's um, characteristics are, and we have a very special guest, Shane Pruitt, joining us this evening to train you on just that. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Ali Carr, and I'm the Director of Special Projects at the International Commission. I've had the privilege of serving at IC for just over three years now, and not only am I the host of these e, &E trainings, which we've been doing for just over a year and a half now, but I also help with our marketing, events, our fundraisers, so you might see me around, maybe even at an event near you. And if you have any questions or comments or have any suggestions for our trainings, I would love to hear from you. And you can reach me at allison.car at ic-world.org. If this is your first E and E training with us, or even your first introduction to International Commission, this is our mission. We are dedicated to equipping and enabling believers worldwide to conduct church-based evangelism projects so that we can reach unbelievers and make disciples. So you'll see those first two words, equipping and enabling. That's what the E&E &E stands for in E&E &E training. So everything we do is filtered through this vision and this mission of, is this equipping and enabling believers to share the gospel and make disciples? That's what we're here to do as believers. That's what God has called us to do. And so we are here tonight to equip and enable you to train up the next generation to follow Christ and make an impact to the world. So in addition to our E&E trainings, we also have a few other resources. We have an E&E show, and you can find all of those on YouTube. We also have a very special evangelism toolkit. It's called the Storytelling with Purpose Evangelism Toolkit, and this is full of resources, PDF guides, videos, all with different tools to help you craft and share your personal testimony, um, how to transition a simple conversation to a spiritual conversation, and of course, just how to share the gospel in different ways. We believe that there's not just one perfect way to share the gospel. The most important thing is that you just do something. But a lot of people don't even know where to start or what that something even looks like. So all of these resources that we have for you are in this evangelism toolkit that we're making available for free for you to download on our website at internationalcommission.org, and you can click on resources. If you want to watch any of our past e, e trainings, all of those are located on Vimeo. We have trainings on how to share the gospel with Muslims, with Hindus, um, how to overcome the top five fears in evangelism, fundraising, and so much more. And finally, we have a book available. So if you love a good story from the mission field about how God is working in miraculous ways around the world, then you want to pick up a copy of our book, Global God, A Journey with God on the Great Commission. It's available on Amazon for less than $7. So if you want to read a good book full of some powerful stories, you can go ahead and pick that up on Amazon. Well, in this discipleship series, we are here as disciples ourselves to teach other disciples, which is you, who are from many different walks of life and even countries from around the world, to obey what God has commanded. So throughout this discipleship series, we are simply taking different commands in scriptures and things that are happening in the world so that we can equip and enable you to obey so that you, in turn, can teach others to obey what God has commanded. So we're going to answer three questions just really briefly right now. What is a disciple? Who is a disciple? And what do disciples do? So what is a disciple? A disciple is simply a follower or student and someone that, you know, learns from a teacher. So that is you. That's us. If we um, claim the name of Christ and call yourselves a Christian. You can call yourself a, a Christian, a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus. That is what you are. If you have surrendered your life to Christ, if you believe he died on the cross, rose from the grave, um, and you trust and believe that Jesus is Lord, then you are saved and you are a disciple. Now, what do disciples do? Disciples learn and follow in their teacher's ways. We are committed to the Great Commission that's found in Matthew 28. And these were really the last words that Jesus told his disciples before he ascended back up into heaven. And this is what Jesus has told us. These words still ring true today. And he said, 
all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So that is the great commission. It's not a great suggestion. It is a requirement if we call ourselves disciples of Jesus. And so we just want to remind you of that at the beginning of every training. Um, And finally, it says in 2 Timothy 2.2, these things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. So we hope that you are reliable men that we are teaching who will be entrusted to then teach others. So take what you're going to learn tonight, share it with someone you know, share it with your youth pastor, maybe share it with your your, um, ministry workers if you work in full-time ministry, or maybe you can apply this to your life. If you have kids who are in middle and high school, maybe grandkids, maybe you're close with your neighbors or people at church. I mean, really, this training is for everyone. So I'm so excited to introduce tonight's speaker. We have Shane Pruitt joining us this evening, and Shane serves as the National Next-Gen Director at the North American Mission Board. He and his wife, Cassie, have six children, and they live in Rockwall, Texas. He's been in ministry for over 18 years as a denominational worker, church planter, lead pastor, and a student pastor. So he has been involved with a lot of various ministries. He holds a degree in biblical studies and a master's degree in history. Shane is also a traveling communicator. He's an evangelist, Bible teacher, and every year he has the privilege and opportunity to speak to tens and thousands of people about the good news of Jesus. Shane is also the author of a popular blog, which has over 3 million views, and his articles have been picked up by Christianity Today, Relevant Magazine, and even the Christian Post. And Shane's most recent book is now available. It's called Nine Common Lies Christians Believe and Why God's Truth is Infinitely Better. It's available anywhere you can get books. He's also the host of a podcast called Next Gen, Next Gen on Mission, and you can get that wherever you listen to your podcasts. And he also has a YouTube channel, Jensen Conversation. So Shane is involved with a lot of stuff. He has a lot of resources. So I just want to say welcome, Shane. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. You speak at just so many different events and youth camps and conferences, and I know you have such insight and wisdom to impart to our ministry workers that may be joining us tonight and really anyone that has a connection with the youth of today. So I cannot wait to hear what you have to share with us tonight. Awesome. Thanks, Allie. Thanks for having me on. Brent, thank you so much. It's such an honor and joy. Such a big fan of International Commission. So what I was so excited when y'all invited me to, to be a part of this. And Allie, it was good seeing you just this past Sunday night at, at the Winter Jam Tour. I was preaching there and you were there. I got yeah. to meet your your hubby. And so that was awesome. Great yes, connecting with you. you right before this. And, and I'm just kind of scrolling through some of our guests. I know others will be watching later, but just seeing uh, Anna Gage is on here. That's my admin. And then uh, one of my dearest friends, Jason Mick on here. He's the executive student pastor at Prestonwood. So Anna and Jason can fix anything I mess up. They can correct it at the end for me, you know, so, (laughs) (laughs) but what an honor it is. And uh, yeah, I've just, you know, I'm just going to take some time if it's okay. And just share briefly 10 things that leaders need to know about reaching, discipling and mobilizing Gen Z. You know, that's a question I've been getting a lot is like, Hey, what do we need to know? Or what do you wish leaders would know? And so I just kind of put together a list of uh, 10 things that I think it's important for us to know about Gen Z. And so I would love to just kind of go through these um, and uh, I'll show my screen at the end. Um, you know, I've sent Allie these, um, these slides. So if you would like these slides, you can reach out to her and get those from her directly. Um, or I, I'll share my personal email and, and uh, we can share these with you or uh, Anna can share these uh, with anybody who wants these slides, but I'm just going to kind of roll through them and, uh, and I'm going to kind of unapologetically roll through them fast because I would love to leave some time at the end just to do some Q&A and hang out for a little bit and just discuss if that's okay. Um, and so, yeah, I'm at home. So if y'all hear just like now, daddy, somebody screaming daddy. So like, so we do have those six kids that are 15 and under. That is a prayer request though. <laughs> so yeah, if uh, you see little ones pop on the screen or anything like that, I'll just apologize ahead of time. All right. So, um, so yeah, 10 things 
that we need to know about reaching, discipling, and mobilizing Gen Z. So I'm going to go ahead and jump in um, with the scriptures. So I'm really a preacher at heart. So uh, like, I, I don't want to talk about anything unless it comes from the word of God. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, one of my favorite verses in mission verses in life is Psalm 145.4. And the psalmist there says, one generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. So if you think about it, the reason we're on this call today and the reason that anyone listens to this in the future is because for a very long time, each generation was faithful to point the next generation to the mighty acts of God. Then that generation rose up and pointed the generation after them to the mighty acts of God. And that generation rose up and pointed the next generation to the mighty acts of God, especially in the Old Testament. You see a lot of generation to generation talk. And so you fast forward to the day and you think about this, like we're part of an ancient work. Every single one of us, we stand on the shoulders of faithful men and women who for generations were faithful to point the next generation to the mighty acts of God. So you get to us and we're part of this ancient work. So friends, we don't start anything. We don't end anything. It's just our turn to be faithful, to point the next generation to the mighty acts of God. And that's what we get to do. Like, it's really humbling if you think about it. It's our turn now to point young people to the mighty acts of God so that they would rise up and point the generation after them to the mighty acts of God. So let me just define this from the very beginning. When I talk about Generation Z, this is who we're talking about. So at the time of this recording in March 2022, the easiest way to think of Generation Z is really those that are just now graduating out of college. So post-grad, those currently in college, those that are in high school, junior high, and older preteen. You can read 10 different definitions about who Generation Z is, and you're going to get 10 different age range and years range. So at the North American Mission Board, when we talk about Generation Z, this is who we're talking about. That's our target group. Those who have just graduated out of college, college students, high school students, junior high students, and older preteen. So that leads me to my role with the North American Mission Board. So my title is National Next Gen Director. So that means I oversee all of our ministries and works for young adults, college students, high school students, junior high students. And really, our goal is to empower leaders who are influencing that generation. So that's what I get to do. Love it. We work with 50,000 churches. The North American Mission Board, if you don't know what that is, is the national entity for the Southern Baptist Convention. So we get to partner with 50,000 churches, um, uh, a lot of state conventions and, and networks. And that's what we get to do. And I love it. I love what I get to do. I was telling somebody yesterday, I don't know if you're supposed to have this much fun in ministry, but I'm having a blast. So I've been in this role for two years and uh, absolutely love it. All right. But as we go through that, let me give you kind of 10 things that I think all leaders need to know when working with this generation of young adults and teenagers. All right. So if we can go to the next slide, just real quick, Allie, just 10 things real quick. Number one, I want to say this from the very beginning. There's no secret to reaching Gen Z. That's probably the number one question I get. Hey, what's the secret of reaching Gen Z? Hey, what's the secret sauce of reaching the next generation? And often what we're looking for is like this silver bullet or, hey, what's another ministry doing that's successful so we can carbon copy it here? I just want to say this from the beginning. Um, There is no secret to reaching Gen Z with the gospel, but there is the Holy Spirit. Um, You think about God himself. Like God wants to reach the next generation more than we do. So let's trust him. Uh, There is the Bible, uh, according to Hebrews, that's always active, sharper than any two-edged sword. So the Bible is living and active. That means the Bible is always relevant. The Bible is just as relevant today that it has ever been. You know, people will go, hey, Shane, you know, with all this talk of sexuality and gender and beliefs in many gods, uh, what books do you recommend? I say, let's start with the New Testament. I think that one works pretty well because when you look at history, the Roman Empire was believing all those same things and the New Testament church was navigating their life through Rome and pointing to the gospel. So we have the Bible. And then thirdly, the same gospel that has worked for 2000 years still works today. If you hear anything today, I pray that you hear that. The same gospel that has worked for a long time still works today. 
I've seen more young people get flat out saved in the last two years than probably the previous 15 years of ministry combined, meaning Generation Z, they're looking for hope. They're looking for answers. And as the church, we know this hope has a name. The answer has a name. It's the name above every name. It's the name Jesus Christ. And so when people go, well, I don't really have a lot in common with young people. Yes, you do. If you're made in God's image, if you needed the gospel, if you need a savior, if you need community and discipleship, then that's exactly what the next generation needs. You have a lot in common. So, hey, if you have the Holy Spirit, you have the Bible and you can articulate the gospel, then you have exactly what it takes to reach the next generation. Um, and so there's no secret. Just stick to the gospel. All right. So here are some things that are kind of new uh, with Gen Z, meaning it, it's when we kind of hone in on Gen Z, here's some things that we're experiencing that is a little different than previous generations. All right. So number two, real quick, Generation Z is an endangered generation. According to Business Insider, there's currently 72 million Generation Zers alive in the United States today. That means they are currently the largest living generation in the United States. So let me give you some sobering statistics in light of that. If we can go to the next slide. According to Wall Street Journal, listen to this. Now that Gen Z is getting older, meaning they're post-grad, young adults in the college, teenagers, we're getting more and more data on Gen Z. So according to Wall Street Journal, less than 30% of Generation Z says religion is important to them. Now let that set in for a minute. Not just Christianity, religion as a whole. So if that be true, then Generation Z is statistically the least religious generation we've ever seen. Also, according to Barna Research Group, less than 20% of Gen Z says attending church is important to them. Now, we know just because you go to church doesn't make you a Christian. We understand that, right? Sitting inside of a church building doesn't make you a Christian, just like sitting inside a Taco Bell does not make you a burrito. We understand that, all right? But we can also make some assumptions that if you don't go to church or church is nowhere on your radar or you don't care anything about the local church, then you probably don't have a saving relationship with Jesus as Lord and Savior, or at best, you're very spiritually immature. So if 20% of Gen Z says church is important to them, then that means 80% of that 72 million is saying church isn't important to them. So you could make some assumptions going 80% of Generation Z are either spiritually lost or at best, aren't connected to the local church. 80% of 72 million is 57.6 million. Now let that set in for a minute. 57.6 million young people in the United States don't have a saving relationship with Jesus, or they're not connected to the local church. If that 57.6 million created their own state, they'd be the largest state in the United States by over 18 million people, meaning California would be second. Now, I don't want to be melodramatic, but you could almost call Generation Z an unreached people group that needs missionaries to rise up and go after this unreached people group. And that's what we're called to do as the church, to do Ephesians 4.12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And we'll get to that in a moment, um, because I believe this. The most effective person at reaching a college student with the gospel is another college student that has a heart that beats with passion for Jesus, and that same heart is broken over the spiritual lostness of their own generation. The same thing is true with teenagers. The most effective person at reaching a teenager is another teenager that has a heart that beats with passion for Jesus, and that same heart is broken over the spiritual lostness of their own generation. So as the church, what we're called to do is equip the saints for the work of ministry. And those saints are the next generation. And we equip them to reach their own generation with the gospel. And I'll get to more of that in a moment. So number two sounds kind of like doom and gloom. But really, it gets us to number three, which is exciting. It's why we exist as the church. It's why International Commission exists. It's why the North American Mission Board exists. Because we believe this. Gen Z is a potential harvest, and now is the time, all right? So when you think of 57.6 million spiritually lost young adults, that means it's up to the church to go after them with a gospel that still works, and now's the time. 
Um, back in the fall of last year, Allie, we did this poll because we heard this stat that was being thrown around. And I say this jokingly, but it was kind of true. This stat that we heard, it was kind of like Sasquatch, right? Like you always heard about it, but no one's ever seen him and no one can prove he exists, right? And so we heard this stat about at what age young people came to know Jesus, but we can never track this stat down. So we tried to do a poll ourselves, and we used my Twitter account. And here is the result of that poll. So we asked this question on my Twitter account. Would you help us gather some data? If you're a Christian, at what age did you surrender to Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life? And we gave four options. And you see this here, under 13, 13 to 18, 18 to 30, and over 30. If you'll look in the bottom left-hand corner, you see that 2,694 people took this poll. So right at 2,700. If you know anything about stats and polling segments, that's a pretty big polling group. And here's what we found. Check this out. 48%, nearly half of all Christians, surrender to Jesus as Lord and Savior of their life before the age of 13. Let that set in for a moment. Almost half of all Christians surrender to Jesus before the age of 13. If you add those top two together, then get this. 77% of all Christians surrender to Jesus before the age of 18. 77% before the age of 18. If you add those top three together, then we found 95% of all Christians surrender to Jesus before their young adult years. Now, typically, when we think of missions or even evangelism, let's take evangelism. Typically, when we think of evangelism strategies or evangelism tools, I think often as the church, we default to thinking of equipping adults to share the gospel with other adults. Now, listen, don't hear me wrong. We need to do that. People get saved all the time in all ages. Um, you know, back in December, I, I preached at this event and we saw a lot of people get saved and baptized on the spot. And two of them were men in their seventies. Praise the Lord for that. So we get to see people come to know Jesus at all ages, all the time. But practically speaking, if we only focus on empowering adults to share the gospel with the other adults, that's like fishing in 5% of the lake because the harvest is in the next generation. When you think of 77% before the age of 18, 95% before the age of 30, that means this. I tell senior pastors all the time, if you want to see your baptism numbers grow, go after the next generation. If you want to see people come to know Jesus, go after the next generation. That's where the harvest is. Now, I believe in the sovereignty of God. I believe God can save whom he wants, when he wants. But practically speaking, if we don't reach a generation by the time they turn 18, we lose a whole generation. So now is the time. So you know what that means, friends? Our next-gen ministries and our churches, they are not primarily for entertainment. It's not glorified babysitting. It's not, let's distract young people so mom and dad can go to big church. That's what we used to call it. Listen, this has to be the front lines of our evangelical efforts. So that means this, children's pastors, next-gen leaders, youth pastors, college pastors, all of those volunteers, they're not primarily entertainers. They're not primarily managers of an event calendar. We have to see them respect them, and equip them as evangelists, as missionaries, and as disciple makers, because this is the front lines of our evangelical efforts. If we don't reach Generation Z right now, we lose a whole generation. Now is the time, and it's a harvest. That's what gets me out of bed. Now, a while ago, I talked about the most effective people reaching young people are young people. So number four point I want to make real quick is Gen Z is the church right now. So what does that mean? They're not the future of the church. You know how we're always telling young people, hey, you're the future of the church. You're the future of the church. You're the future of the church. And I know what we mean by that. Future leaders, influencers, pastors, sure. But theologically speaking, according to the New Testament, if they've been bought by the blood of Jesus and they have the Holy Spirit of God, they are not the future of the church. They are the church right now. 
They have the calling of God on their life. Now they have the great commission that Allie talked about a while ago. That great commission is on their life now. They're called to know Jesus and make Jesus known right now. And we got to equip them to do that. And listen, friends, let me encourage you with this. They can handle it. All right. We don't have to dumb it down. We need to disciple them up. Here's what I know about young people. They are not scared to die young, but they are terrified of boredom. And when we treat them like kids, we bore them to death. Like they want us to raise the bar. Don't lower the bar. The most, like Jason Mick is on this call. One of the healthiest student ministries I know. You know why? Because they raise the bar. They don't lower the bar. They raise the bar of expectation on those students. They call out the call. They go, we're going to train you to be missionaries and to live on mission right now. And students rise to that occasion. And let me just say this real quick. It's not my notes, but I think it's okay to say this as family. It's really sad sometimes when you see culture understands the power of young people more than the church does sometimes. Here's what I mean by that is 15 year olds are already creating their own brands on social media. Statistically speaking, there's more millionaire teenagers alive in the United States today than at any point in U.S. history, primarily because of YouTube and TikTok. I know a kid that is 16 and he makes six figures every year by buying and reselling sneakers. All right. So 15 year olds are already creating their own brands on social media. 16-year-olds are already operating motor vehicles. Think about that. Our oldest is 15. She just got her driver's permit. It scares me to death. I'm praying for Jesus to come back in the next year, all right? Join me in that prayer, all right? But 16-year-olds are already operating motor vehicles. 17-year-olds are already in the workforce. I mean, wrap your mind around this. 18-year-olds are already serving in the military, holding weapons, protecting our freedoms, like some of them have their fingers on buttons that can shoot million dollar rockets into the air, right? College students are already starting nonprofits, already CEOs of businesses, already on church staff. Listen, if they can do those things, they can be the church right now. Don't dumb it down, disciple them up. I say this all the time. Listen, if they can understand algebra, they can understand some doctrine and theology. Um, heck, if they can order a drink at Starbucks, they can understand some doctrine and theology. You got to know Greek and Hebrew to do that. You know what I mean? And I'll just be honest with you. Once again, I'm not throwing shade. I'm just being a realist in this situation. Sometimes it's really embarrassing when you look at our church curriculum towards young people versus what they're learning at school. Like what they're learning at school is really complex stuff. And then in church, we think we have to dumb it down. No, we don't. Now, we can't throw around spiritual jargon. Please hear me. If we're going to use $10 theological terms, explain it, define it, help them understand it. The point I'm making is they can handle it and they can understand it. It's a great opportunity for, ready, discipleship. All right, number five, real quick. Gen Z must be trained in the gospel. We can't just assume that they know how to share the gospel because they come to our church. Um, I did this as a youth pastor. I did this as a lead pastor of a church. I want to encourage you. Hey, if you're around young people, um, take a poll to show you how you're doing. Ask them this. Just go, hey, if someone were to ask you to share the gospel with them, what would you say? And then just like shut your mouth. Don't help them. Don't guide them. Just let them answer. In fact, you can do this with adults, and it's scary, all right? Now, here's what we found. We did it with some of our best. We didn't even just do it with the regular, you know, attenders or those who came every once in a while. We did it with people who were in small groups, some of our best. And we said, hey, if someone were to share the gospel, what would you say? Here's what we found is that most of them didn't know how to share the gospel. Um, we just assumed they did because they came to church. Now, now, they didn't share heresy, but they also didn't share the whole gospel. They would say things like this. Well, you need to go know God loves you. That's true, but there's more than that. They say, well, you need to know, uh, you need to believe in God. Well, hey, that's true. But even James says that demons believe and tremble, right? The number one answer we got would probably be the number one answer you'd get is they'd go, well, you need to know Jesus died for your what? Sins. But then they would stop and we would go, well, hey, don't leave him in the grave. 
The resurrection is really, really important. According to 1 Corinthians 15, everything we're doing is in vain if God, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, right? And then there was no concept of articulating repentance and faith. So here's the point I want to make is we got to help churches train people in evangelism. So I always say this, pick a tool and teach that tool and teach it and teach it and teach it. I encourage local churches, hey, you can't just do evangelism training once a year or even once a quarter. Like it's got to be a regular part of your cycle. Um, there is that old leadership principle that's true. When you get tired of saying it, they're just now hearing it. Articulate the gospel, share the gospel, pick a tool. And so people will say, hey, Shane, what's the best evangelism tool? And I like what Ali said while I go, listen, the best tool is whichever one shares the gospel and which one they'll actually use. That's the best tool. So I work for NAM. Uh, we put together three circles. So I was like, I love three circles. I think three circles is awesome, right? But I, I'm for any evangelism tool that people actually use. And so I also want to encourage with this, I think sometimes we want to default, you know, where I know a lot of leaders go, well, I'm going to train my students in all the tools. What I found is the more tools you train them in, the less likely they are to use any of them because it's overwhelming. So I would say pick one, pick the one that's best for your context and just train them and articulate it and share it so much to where people go, gosh, when I close my eyes, I just hear this being said over and over again. If people start saying that in your ministry, then go, good, we're doing what we're supposed to do. So pick a tool, train them in it, equip them. They are the best that reach in their own generation, but it's up to us to what? Ephesians 4.12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And that's part of training them. Number six, real quick, here's good news for all of us on this call. Gen Z are really not ageist. And what I mean by that is they don't judge you because of how old you are. They don't care how old you are, I promise you. Think about it. Many of them have been raised by their grandparents anyway. So often they identify more with boomers than they even identify with millennials and, and Gen X. I'm just being real with you. Like they don't really care how old you are. Um, one of the greatest untapped resources in any church for next-gen ministries are senior adults. Because if you think about it, senior adults typically – uh, if they're retired, they have a lot of time on their hands. Many of them are empty nesters. Um, a lot of them have disposable income to take people to eat and hang out with them and invest in the ministry. Many senior adults have been members of those local churches for a long time. So they have a lot of trust equity built up. They have a lot of clout built up. Um, and then they just have so much wisdom and experience of following Jesus for a very long time. So I think a lot of times, in ministries, we default to think, oh, if we're going to reach young people, or if we're going to reach teenagers or young adults, then we need to find somebody just a little older than them um, that's very charismatic. Hey, that's great. Praise the Lord. But don't discount senior adults. Don't discount older. Listen, and I love it. My preacher used to say this. If you're not dead, God's not done. So I think a lot of times even senior adults go, hey, I did my time. So now I'm going to step to the side. No, 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 no. We need you. It's Titus chapter two. The older men take the younger men. The older women take the younger women. We need you. One of the best pictures I've ever seen of this was, um, you know, several months ago, I was in another state going to speak at something, went to a local coffee shop uh, to look over my notes, get my mind right. And I looked over to the side and I see a guy probably in his late seventies and sitting around him at the table are three college age guys. All four of them have their Bible open. And I said, that is Titus chapter two. I also say this a lot. I believe in age-specific ministries. Obviously, that's why I do what I do. Um, I believe in age-specific ministries, but I think sometimes in the local church, we cut our discipleship legs out from under us by separating people all the time, right? And what I mean by that is often we go, all the kids, you go over here, all the teenagers, you go over here, all the young adults, you go over here, all the young marrieds over here, all the marrieds with kids over here, all the empty nesters over here, and then over here. And I don't even say like, you know, senior adults, we don't use that term anymore, right? So all the classics, you go over here, all right, all the classics, you go over here. And what we do is we separate everybody and we cut our discipleship legs out from under us. I think we would be better if we found ways to do more multi-generational ministries. And in the two areas you can really do that in is in serving. Some of my favorite churches to preach in is when you walk up 
and you see the 16 year old and the 60 year old greeting together. When you see all ages on the stage, you see all ages taking up the offering, you see all ages in the sound booth, um, you see all ages serving the city together. And then another area is mission trips, going on mission together. Hey, yes, I love student mission trips. I love college mission trips, but I think we should do more multi-generation mission trips together um, because that brings the generations together. And we know, statistically speaking, one of the greatest markers to help students stay plugged into the local church after they graduate out of student ministry is the more relationships they have. The more relationships they have, the more they are likely to stick to the church after they graduate out of student ministry. Number seven, real quick, for time's sake, Gen Z is an extremely diverse generation. This is a brand new stat, if you hadn't seen it. According to Pew Research Center, 48% of Generation Z is non-Anglo. So that means Gen Z is truly a generation that looks like heaven, and I love it. So that means this, if you're going to reach a generation that looks like heaven, over time, more and more, your ministry should look like heaven. Um, and so, let, I mean, I think these are conversations that have to happen to go, if our ministry does not look like the town around us, or if our ministry doesn't look like the generation we're trying to reach, then we have to ask ourselves, what bridges do we need to put in place? Or a more difficult question to ask is what barriers do we currently have in place that's keeping us from doing that? So if you want to reach a generation that looks like heaven, our ministry should look more um, like heaven. All right. Uh, number eight, real quick. Um, and we could spend, we could do a whole segment just on this one right here. Gen Z knows brokenness all too well. Um, Gen Z, if you're going to reach the next generation, um, you have to, in your discipleship pipeline, um, have to be able to teach a gospel center view of mental and emotional health. Anywhere between 30 to 40% of Generation Z says they struggle with depression or anxiety. Um, I encourage churches, um, if you have a counselor on staff, I think next-gen ministries need to become best friends with that person. If you have a counseling center close, if you have a, a Christian counselors in your church, if not, quickly find a Christian counseling center close to your area that you can create a partnership with. Because very quickly, if we interact with people and it's outside of our equipping, we need to get those involved. Um, I think one of the worst things we can do is try to help people and it's outside of our equipping, all right? But one thing we can do is teach a gospel-centered view of it um, because there is a lot of false teaching that's taking place right now and being forced on Generation Z, even in the area of mental and emotional health, meaning there's a whole generation that's been told to follow their heart, which means to follow your emotions, follow your desires, follow your feelings. And heck, friends, any of us, if we were to follow our emotions and our feelings and the desires, we would all follow them into a ditch. So what we get to do in discipleship is to go, hey, your feelings, your emotions, your desires, those are gifts from God to worship him with, but those were never meant to be your gods. So there's a whole generation who have made their, their emotions, their feelings, their thoughts idols in their life. So we got to help them navigate that and in the discipleship view. Also, a lot of addictions, pornography is killing a generation. Also, Gen Z has been made an agenda by a lot of views of sexuality. Um, I'm just going to put it out there. Um, and I get beat up all the time on social media for this. I'm even getting beat up right now today over some of these things. But you need to know the LGBTQ plus community has made Gen Z a target and an agenda group. Um, like, you know what I mean? Like, they're so confused on sexuality. They're so confused on gender. And so, listen, we need to be kind. We need to be equipped. Um, we need to be loving, but we also need to be very bold, and we need to teach the scriptures. A lot of times, the church right now is burying its head in the sand when it comes to sexuality and gender. And please hear me, when a generation hears culture screaming about something and the church remains silent, then a whole generation only hears one worldview. Now, what I mean, what I mean by that is like, we got to teach the word of God. We got to teach the Bible. And we need to know this. Culture also preaches sermons, right? Culture also disciples. 
culture also has agenda. And when we stay silent and they're preaching bad sermons and they're leading in discipleship, our generation in a whole different direction, and we stay silent, then we can't complain when a whole generation has false views. The church has to step into that conversation in a very loving, kind, but bold, biblical way. Let me say it again. When culture is screaming about things and the church remains silent, then a whole generation only hears one worldview. All right, number nine, real quick. Gen Z values the why. And once again, this is where discipleship can take place. They ask a lot of why questions. A lot of people even call Gen Z generation Y, not the letter, but the question mark, because they want to know why. And listen, friends, we can't say this. Well, that's the way we've always done it. That is not an answer. Or we can't pull the dad move. And what I mean by that, remember, my dad used to say this and I hated it. And now I find myself saying it to my kids, right? What's that answer? Because I'm the dad, because I'm the parent, right? And so we can't just go because I'm the pastor or I'm the leader or because I say so. No, listen, let's give biblical responses. And listen, sometimes the best response we can give to Gen Z is, I don't know. Like one of the worst things we can do is pretend we do know why and give some false, fake, opinionated view. Um, one of the core values of Gen Z is authenticity and transparency. And sometimes the best answer we can give is, I don't know. I don't understand this. I'll try to get an answer for you. Or, hey, this is where faith comes in. We don't understand all the things of God. Our little finite minds can't fully grasp the infinite mind of God. I don't know. I just trust it. Here's what the Bible says. They value transparency and authenticity. What they have little patience for is fakeness. Even going back to leaders, you know, a lot of times we go, oh, we got to get a cool leader that wears sneakers and has tattoos and skinny jeans and all that. Listen, they're not looking for cool leaders. They're just looking for real authentic ones. All right. Number 10, real quick, number last, and then I'd love to just do some discussion. Gen Z are on a truth journey. They are absolutely desperate for truth. There's this old saying that I only ever hear preachers say, and I don't even know where it comes from. And like I said, I've only ever heard preachers say this, but they'll say people aren't on a truth journey. They're on a happiness journey. That's absolutely false with Gen Z. They're absolutely on a truth journey because they're a whole life. They know they've been made an agenda. They realize Things on social media are fake. They realize news doesn't give them the honest truth. They realize there's so many things doctored up and filtered up. They want to know truth. So let me encourage you with this. People will say, hey, Shane, how do we cut through the white noise of social media? How do we cut through the noise of culture? How do we cut through all the noise of distractions out there? Here's how you cut through the noise. Preach the word of God. Genesis through Revelation teach the scriptures. And why does that cut through the noise? Because they literally will not hear that anywhere else. So let me encourage you with this. Remember, Gen Z, they're not religious. So that means they're not going to wake up one day and go, I think I should go to church. If they're in church, they're there because a friend invited them or their life just blew up and they're looking for hope and answers. So let me encourage you with this. If they come to our church or they come into our small groups or they come into our ministries and it gets to the teaching time, and please hear my heart in this. If it gets to the teaching time and basically all they hear is a self-help pep talk with Bible verses sprinkled out of context, then for a lack of a better term, that just sounds like white noise to them because self-help is what they see everywhere else. Especially if they go to a public school or university, self-help is what they see up and down the hallways, right? Believe in yourself. Follow your heart. It's about you. You can do anything you want to. Whatever the world revolves around you, it's your life. Do with it what you want. Self-help is what they see on social media. If they come from a non-Christian family, self-help is what they probably hear. Self-help books are the top-selling New York Times bestseller books. Self-help is everywhere. So if they come in and basically our messages sound like self-help pep talks, that's what they hear everywhere else. However, if they come in and they hear the Bible being taught and they say, you know what? And you say, you know what? The world is broken we're broken. Our only hope is God. Our only hope is a savior named Jesus. Our only hope is to not believe in yourself, but believe in someone bigger than yourself. Then even if they don't agree with it at first, even if they don't like it at first, 
that cuts through the noise because they will not hear that anywhere else. So friends, I want to encourage you with this. Stick to the Bible. Stick to the scriptures. Stick to the word of God. The three things we opened with are the three things we close with. If you have the Holy Spirit, you have the Bible, you have the gospel, you have what it takes to reach the next generation. Because here's what I promise you. They're looking for hope. They're looking for answers. They're looking for truth. As the church, we know this. Hope has a name. The answer has a name. The truth has a name. It's the name above every name, Jesus. Point them to Jesus. And that's the goal of discipleship. Remember, the goal of discipleship is not to get them to be and look and act more like me. The goal of discipleship is for them to look and be and act more like Jesus. So always point to Jesus. So, Allie, those are the 10 quick things. If we have time, I'd love to do some Q&A. If we're out of time, I apologize. <laughs> I'm a preacher, and I get passionate about this, and I just go on and on and on. All right. Oh man, Shane, that was absolutely excellent. I don't know if you could see my face the whole time, but I was like nodding my head and my <laughs> eyes were getting really big. I mean, I'm just learning so much and so encouraged. I, I have nieces and nephews who are just in this age range and I'm thinking about them specifically and, and thinking about how I can train them up and encourage them. Um, some of them are saved, some of them aren't. And so I hope all of you who are watching this have also, I hope you feel fired up because I, I feel fired up after listening yeah. to all these things. So thank you, Shane, again, just for the research that you've done, um, how you have dug into the word to really know the truth of God's word and the power that it still holds um, because the word of God is living and active. And so I like that, you ended with the three points that we started with, which was um, the Holy Spirit, the Bible, and the gospel. I mean, you can't go wrong with that, and it, it, it's still active today, so thank you. Um, we had a couple questions, so let me just ask you. Um, one is from Maggie, and she said, do you recommend a specific version of the Bible to give to preteens? Oh, to preteens, sure. Yeah, I'm not one of those guys that go, hey, you know, ESV is the only version for me. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I personally love ESV. Um, I like the CSB. Um, you know, I don't, you know, have any issues with, you know, translation. Uh, I got saved in a church that was King James only. And I kind of joke like King James only and angry about it. You know what I mean? Like, but it was such a loving church meaning. Like, I remember when I got a new King James Bible, my pastor asked me if there was a new Jesus in there. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I like, here's the deal is like, um, I, I, I really, my favorites to go, my favorites. And then I really believe young people can handle it. It's what we buy our kids is either an ESV or a CSB, the Christian standard Bible, because they are more of the word for word translations and they are easy to read. Uh, the new living translation, I I'll read that sometimes as like a devotional where the ESV and CSB are more of the word for word translations. The new, new living translation would be more of a thought for thought translation, um, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. But yeah. Um, yeah. Those are my two favorites, ESV and CSB. And I found that young people can handle those. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, and just one more question. You were sharing about the statistics earlier. So Brent was asking, do you know how we even got there? If this is the most unreached generation and that it's, it could fill up a state larger than California, do you know what that progression looked like to get us to where we are now? Yeah, I mean, when you look back, it, it's really been each generation has been more and more non-religious, right? You know, like, I mean, and it started like where Gen X was a little more non-religious than boomers were. And then mm -hmm. millennials, definitely, you know, because I, I think, Ali, you'd probably be more considered a millennial. I'm on the older end of the millennials of like, we were a big jump of non-religious compared to even the Xers, you know? And then like, I think just that trend just keeps going towards Gen Z. Now, please hear my heart in this. Culture's changing, right? Like the Bible belt is busted with lostness. You know what I mean? Cultural Christianity is disappearing more and more in the States. We see that shift culturally. It's really disappearing with Gen Z. Um, I think we can look at that and go, oh man, that, that's, that's a little nervous. But for the light of the gospel, um, it's really exciting because, you know, and I live in Texas and I know international commission, you know, international commission is based in, you know, home office in Texas, you know, sometimes in the South, you almost have to convince people they're lost before you can share the gospel with them. Gen Z for the most part, they know they're not Christian. So it almost makes sharing the gospel with them easier, honestly, because sometimes one of the biggest barriers to the gospel is cultural Christianity, you know? Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, if you guys have any more questions, this is how you can contact Shane. You can go to his website, shanepruitt.com or email him directly. Um, he gave us permission to give his email. So you're more than welcome to reach out to him if you have any questions or want resources or um, want to learn more about the conferences and the events that he's speaking at. Or again, you can check out his YouTube channel or his podcast or his book. Um, we have just a couple E&E trainings left in our discipleship series. I just want to make you aware of really quickly. So next month we have one, um, on Thursday, April 21st, again, this same time in the evening, and it's all about anxiety. So there's a lot going on in our world. People are very anxious and fearful and confused. So we're going to be having a Christian counselor on who's going to be talking about what does the Bible say about anxiety and how are we to respond as believers? And then in turn, we can teach others about what the Bible says about anxiety. Um, and then in May, we have our last mini training, which will be over Facebook Live. So that'll be Wednesday, May 4th around noon. If you want to go to another country to help share the gospel and then equip the churches there to share the gospel and make disciples long-term, then I want to ask you to consider going with us to one of these countries. We even have more, but these are just the ones coming up. Albania, Spain, Brazil. We have a lot going in the summer as you're making your summer plans. Um, and then we also have trips to partner with churches in North America. We're using the same model of evangelism and discipleship. And this resource um, that was developed through the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association that we would love to introduce you to. So if you're interested in going with us at all, go to internationalcommission.org slash go, and we would love to invite you on a trip with us. But that's all we have for this evening. You have been officially equipped and enabled to train up Generation Z. Thank you so much, Shane, for everything you shared, for your time, and just for your passion and for responding to the call that God has given you to have this specific role. As you said, you love your job. And when you love your job, it doesn't even feel like work. You're just like living your life. And so that looks like exactly what you're doing. And I just want to thank you for that. Thank you, Allie. Thanks for the invite. Seriously, I had a blast. Hope it was a help. And I pray people were encouraged more than anything to walk away, go, hey, you know what? The gospel still works. And so, yes, yeah. that's exactly right. Would you mind closing us in prayer, please? I'd be honored to. All right. Father, first of all, we just thank you that we get to call you father. May we never get over that, that we get to call you the creator of everything, Father. So God, I thank you for the gospel work in our life. God, I thank you for the men and women of previous generations who were faithful to point our generation to you. So God, I pray in this moment, in your timeline, that we would be faithful to point the next generation to you so that they would raise up and point the generation after them to you. God, I thank you for the men and women on here, Lord, that are on here right now and those who watch this in the future. God, I thank you that, first of all, they said yes um, to you for salvation. And secondly, they've said yes to make you known to the ends of the earth. And so, God, I pray that you were glorified through this. I pray that the church was encouraged and mobilized to go tell the world about the greatness of you. We pray this in the name above every name, Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yes, and amen. Thank you, Shane. And thank you, everyone, for joining us this evening. I hope you have a great rest of your night.